morning, Fremont Community Church. How's everybody doing? It's, okay, it's July. Where's the sun? I'm ready for a picnic. I'm ready to see green grass, right? Baseball's in, Yankees keep winning. A's, I don't know what to do. Giants, they have a triple-A baseball team happening. There's NBA talks. Who wants Russell Westbrook? He's getting a lot of money. I don't know where he's going to end up, but I haven't talked about sports in some time. Um, but hey, we are in the Psalm series, and I think the summertime is a great time to kind of look at the book of Psalms. It's, uh, the kids are all here this morning. I was so just energized to see, you know, 35 of our church family head up to camp. I love that Ty and Pastor Eric wanted to go and be with the kids. I'm like, this is so cool that we have a church that kind of is intersecting. Everybody's kind of coming together. So I think it's going to be a great week. Um, and let me just, again, I do want to pray. It's, it's our Independence Day, 1776. Is that when the Declaration of Independence was signed? Help me out here. Yeah. 1776. So we're celebrating our nation's independence. And although our nation is a little bit crazy, we can still celebrate this weekend. So, Lord, I just thank you so much, again, for our country and the freedoms that we have, Lord. And I just thank you so much for those that have served. Lord, I think a lot of us pause and look at the 4th of July as, yes, celebration, but we remember that lives were lost. And uh, there's a, freedom isn't free, Lord. And so I just thank you for those veterans that are here this morning, um, those that have family that have served. God, we remember. And I just thank you that... Uh, um, Lord, you love our nation, but you also love this world, um, God. But we get, as Americans, we get to kind of reflect this weekend, and we thank you so much. And as Jesse prayed, Lord, I thank you for our students. God, we are trusting because that we know that Hume Lake is a marker moment for these students because they're off their cell phones for a week. And Lord, I know that you're going to speak loudly, and I pray that you would... All those voices that these students are listening to, whether it's through Discord, TikTok, Instagram, all the untruth, all the darkness, all the false stuff that the enemy is shoving down their throats, God, I pray, Lord, that you would kill and steal and destroy all the, the, the dark and that these kids would hear your voice. And not just kids from our church, but kids all over California, all over the Bay Area, Lord. Thank you that Bridges Church right up the street is also going to Hume Lake the same week, Lord. And uh, we just trust you, God, what you want to do in Fremont. Just pray for today, Lord, in this message. Um, psalm 23 is something that, uh, is a psalm that we're all familiar with, Lord, but I just pray that we would look through the eyes of a shepherd because we are sheep and we are so swayed all the time by stuff and voices and things that are pulling us, God. And so, Lord, we orient back to you, our good shepherd, this morning, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So Psalm 23, a lot of you may have memorized this psalm. I memorized it. It's in like the King James Version. I think we have a slide of uh, Psalm 23 of the shepherd dude. Is there a shepherd with a little sheep kind of around his neck? Look at that. Psalm 23. There's a, there's a nice man. He's, I don't know where he's from, but I found that on the internet. And I'm like, you know what? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, that Jesus is our good shepherd. Um, and so a lot of you, again, might have, uh, have seen this psalm. Um, there's a slide for the, actually the verse. Um, Josh, I think it's up there. It's Psalm 23. And a lot of us, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all know that. Can we all see that one? There it is. And I thought, well, let's go ahead and stand and read it together. We're going to kind of go old school this morning, liturgical. Go ahead and, and we'll read this together. Okay, here we go. Are we ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Fantastic. You may be seated. So, you know, we hear this Psalm 23 at funerals. I've done many funerals. I've been at many bedsides, and this is a psalm that I always found is very comforting. I even, I did a, um, a, a funeral for a, a homeless man once, and it was really dark, and I remember reading this scripture, and I see these men just weeping, and there's something powerful about this psalm that we all kind of know and, and, you know, maybe memorized as a kid. Maybe some of you were raised Catholic, and you're thinking, you know what, this is something that is read a lot. And I'm thinking this morning, before we even jump in, who is our shepherd, the one who cares and tends for us and leads us? Well, the shepherd is the God who hovers over all over the darkness before the world was ever created, before the universe was ever created. This shepherd said, let there be the God who breathed life into man and man became a living being. This is our shepherd, the God who parted the Red Sea so the people could be delivered and walked through to a land flowing with milk and honey. That's our shepherd, the God who makes a way when we feel like there's just no other way. The God who shuts the mouths of hungry lions and walks with his faithful servant through fire and then they come out unscathed. Or who opens the wombs of barren post-menopausal women to unleash his promises. That was from my wife. She always like remembers that. The one who slayed the giant, one of my favorite stories that Isaac knows backwards and forward, that it's not David's brawn or might or intellect, but it's that God is with him. God is his shepherd and slaying the, the giant. The one with unlimited resources and the one with abundance of loaves and fish and wine and milk and honey. I think so often we read the Bible and we just kind of gloss over some of these things because they're familiar but this God, as our shepherd, my journey has been, is he a good shepherd? Can I trust him? And I think that's a lot of our questions this morning as we take steps towards Jesus, because a lot of us didn't come from real healthy family situations. And so we think, can God be trusted? And I find it really quite amazing that both Moses and King David were shepherds. These guys were major players in the Bible, and they spent long time in the wilderness looking out after sheep. And I don't know how they passed their time without a cell phone. I do not know, because for me, if I have a five-minute span, I don't look at my cell phone, I kind of get weird because I'm like, I got to check something. I gotta... So these guys were shaped in the wilderness, and they were shaped as shepherds, and so it makes sense that David would actually use this psalm as something that is a part of him. Because a shepherd knows his sheep. I am not a shepherd. I've seen sheep at Alameda County Fair. You know, I think that you guys that go to that, it's, it's actually nice to, I think, is it done? Is it over? Because I, mean, I usually go there when it's really hot, but I, it's, still, it's still going. 
Okay, good. But they usually have pig races, and there's always those sheep. And I look at these sheep, and I always have this transformative experience looking at, oh man, Jesus was like a slaughtered sheep, and shepherd care for sheep, and sheep give us their wool and keep us warm. And so our shepherd has given us everything we need, and we shall not want. But I don't know about you, but we're a wanting bunch, right? We live in a world where we listen to a lot of different voices. And so let me ask you this morning as you're sitting here, first of all, are you, are you kind of tired and worn out? I'm still kind of, um, the past couple years have still been interesting. Um, one of the first things I did, my wife, um, I've been kind of home with the family for the week and I ended up going to the skate park yesterday and I had these conversations with students about how since COVID, they, they stopped playing sports and they're getting into more trouble, and I'm finding students more depressed and more connected to stuff and stuff that's happening on Discord. And it's like, you know, you know, they're saying, before this pandemic, I felt like I had love for basketball, and I felt like I loved my animals more, but now I just feel like there's this darkness. And so these kids are understanding what darkness is looking like, and so they're tired and they're worn out. Um, and so I wanted just you, you guys to know that this morning, God hears and he sees you this morning. I think sometimes we forget that we have purpose on this earth. You're not just a human being to just get up and, and be a robot and do things, but you have purpose, that you're God's masterpiece, you're his poem. God knew you before you were ever created. You are his idea. He put you in your mother's womb. And your thumbprint and your fingerprint is different than everybody else's. And what is amazing, he set us apart to be different. So if you're feeling hopeless this morning, God says he's your hope. If you need healing this morning, some of you feel like I need physical healing or, or emotional healing or maybe healing in your mind. God says, I am your healer. And he is all that we need right now. He is our shepherd right now. Not when the kids move out, not when the baby's out of the diapers, or not you know, after my kid stops needing money from me or whatever. He is your shepherd now, and we must live here in this moment. And I know for me, that's hard to live in the moment sometimes because I'm thinking, boy, when Isaac doesn't need me as much, or when I just launch this child, or when I'm trying to help my parents look at their next season of their life as they're aging, trying to figure out, God, you're their shepherd too. I'm not their shepherd. You're their shepherd. And so he's my shepherd. He is your shepherd. Now here's the thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Look at that imagery. Doesn't that sound amazing? I think about sprawling out in this nice green pasture. And um, this week my wife is like, Doug, there's a good book that was written by Philip Keller. It's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And so she kind of gave me some of her notes, and I thought this was interesting. First point is that sheep don't lie down unless they know that all is well. Okay, so they have to be fear, uh, free from fear of predators. That's a biggie. Free from friction, meaning conflict with other sheep. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> free from pests, I guess flies and parasites. Also free from hunger. They have to have good sources of food. So all these things are dependent on the shepherd. So when the shepherd walks out to the field and the sheep spot him and they hear his or her voice, they can rest because they know that the shepherd has addressed all of those things. That's pretty cool. It's like, all is well. I can go to sleep. I could lay out, you know. 
And so I'm thinking, you know, what are some areas of your life where you need to be more aware of the presence of your shepherd? My wife wrote in a blog, this is when we first got Isaac as a baby. This was a crazy year. We were trying to launch our oldest daughter, and our, we had another foster daughter that was 18 that was going through some stuff. And we had, a, we had Maverick with us, and we had launched him back to an aunt, and we had just taken in Isaac, and my wife was speaking. I was still here doing some sort of ministry, and Isaac was so small, and he was just this baby that I'm like, okay, Lord, I, we need to trust you. You're my shepherd. And here, Christy writes this. She says, just recently when I was rocking baby boy Isaac to sleep, I slowly began to shift my body so, he, so I could gently put him down into his crib. And when I felt his whole body startle, I hadn't even felt him do this. But as he did, my instinct was to do everything I could to make sure I knew he was safe. I held him tighter and closer in these few moments. And then I heard the words of God's voice deep in my spirit. Do not be afraid. I am with you. And I think it's so hard to kind of lay down on earth here, isn't it? Where I feel like we have this ADHD cycle of crazy with constant news loops and Twitter feeds and constantly changing information. You know, it's like we have these attention spans of monkeys. You know, this week I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch the news because I want to be informed. And then I'm hearing how these families are dying in these trucks at the border and I just feel like, okay, God, I don't want to be that person that just clicks away and bury my head in the sand. But sometimes I can't take all the, 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 the stuff that is happening in our world. And it's so hard to feel like there's green pasture when there's so much just stimuli and so much that is like vying for our soul. So how do we lay down in green pastures when we are definitely on our devices? You know, as Pastor Eric talked about doom scrolling, something that I was guilty of doing. We have this fear and this anxiety when we hear about things happening all over the world. How do we picture that God could be trustworthy, trustworthy and that when he comes, that we know that all is well? I mean, how are we in our lives today able to quiet our mind, turn off the TV, turn off the media without grabbing our phone and checking Instagram or checking Facebook? This to me is a, is a daily practice. It's a centering prayer to stop and pause during the day. And maybe for some of us, it's praying this verse, Psalm 23. It's actually really easy to memorize. So he leaves me beside quiet waters. This one's interesting. Shepherds know where to take sheep to find life-giving waters. That makes sense. But do you guys know that sheep are prone to drinking gross, maggot-filled, stagnant, nasty, muddy water, and this could be fatal to their very delicate systems. I didn't know that sheep had delicate systems. I figured animals know how to survive, but apparently sheep are a little not as stalwart as like a horse, I guess. But a good shepherd sternly leads and guides sheep away from the stagnant gross water into fresh flowing water. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, I drink from some pretty stagnant waters, and some of you might be too. What are the waters that are stagnant, that are gross, that are maybe plaguing your mind and that you're drinking from, right? Jeremiah says that, you know what? You Israelites, you're crazy. You guys, you guys are digging these cisterns that are leaky, that, that don't hold water. 
And Jesus is the one, I'm the one that holds the water for you. But we are prone to wander. That's just kind of who we are. And Jesus says, hey, look, come, all you who are thirsty, all that you are, come to me, the water of life. Those who are thirsty, come and drink from me. But we live in a world where we just don't. We tend to think, I'm going to drink from my finances or when my kitchen gets redone or um, maybe you're a little bit too much prone to drinking wine at five o'clock because you can't wait till five o'clock or maybe having that after dinner drink or you know there's just a lot of things that pull us in different directions and it's so hard sometimes to sit and say the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd so where is it that you go where do you try to go to fill your thirsty soul? Because we all have a thirsty soul. And I love that Jesus always talks about, watch out for the, the pursuit of wealth. I'm checking my savings all the time. And that, that's not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have money. But be careful. Be careful of looking at money like your shepherd. Like it's going to guide you into, into these still waters or these lush green fields. If anything, it'll pull you away from that. Or the happily ever afters. Maybe some of you in here are waiting for your happily ever after. I love to shoot those. That's why, that's why I don't like Disney. Sorry. I mean, Disney's cool and all, but life isn't really a happily ever after. And I think there's so many kids. There was a girl at the skate park yesterday. She's on her sixth boyfriend. Her sixth. And I'm like, you know, Angelica... What are you looking for? What are you looking for? I just, I just want to be loved. And so she's it just you know, this precious girl who just doesn't have a community. And, you know, she's trying to look for love in all the wrong places. Or the pursuit of success. This is an easy one, especially as a pastor. Boy, I think of, man, if I, if they're just, church is growing and people are coming to church and there's all this money and all these buildings and these things we can do and oh yes this is it it is very easy for pastors to fall into that trap of of successism of church successism but you know what we gain the world and we lose our soul in the process and so i love that jesus is always asking people what are you seeking this morning i love that he went and asked nathaniel before he asked him to follow me he says nathaniel you're my kind of guy you're snarky you're sarcastic what is it you're looking for? And I think Jesus this morning asks us, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? And it reminds me of this story of when Jesus was at the well. Jesus was at a well. He's tired. He's thirsty. And then he runs into a, a woman that is trying to look for love in all the wrong places. Jesus talks to her and he says this. If you drink from this well, this is Jacob's well. If you drink from this well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again. They will be totally satisfied. For when you drink the water I give, it becomes this luscious, gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Man, I don't know about you. I want that water. I want that spirit to gush forth from me. And so moving on in this, in this, in this verse, in this Psalm 23, the good shepherd restores our soul. Now watch this. So we're human. So to be human in this world can be heartbreaking. Some of you, have, maybe you haven't experienced heartbreak yet. Don't worry, you will at some point. Seasons of discouragement, okay? Plans that haven't gone 
we've all faced that these past couple years with the pandemic. We all kind of understand what discouragement looks like. But we have human feelings. And so I love the fact that David, who wrote this psalm, often said in other psalms, why am I so downcast? Why is it so hard to get out of bed today? Or why am I so worried about the health of my loved ones? Or my aging parents? Or job loss? You see, our shepherd knows exactly how to restore us. When David referred to restoration here, it's likely that he had this image of what's called a cast sheep. Now, check this out. This is cool. A cast sheep is a sheep who is turned over on its back, okay? And it kind of lies on its back. It can't really get up. He needs help. He or she needs help to get out of the predicament. I kind of think of like a turtle. How When a turtle falls over, it needs help to be flipped back over. Well, apparently, sheep, this is a bad position for a sheep because they can't survive very long like this. I often find myself on my back all the time. I'm like, what situation did I just get into? And so... One way, the shepherd has to come over and like make sure that the sheep is comfortable. And there's multiple reasons apparently sheep get into this state, which are all fascinating, but I'm not going to bore you with details. But they, they get in trouble. And what the, they, they find comfort when they're back on their like four legs. And I feel like, you know, what do we find comfort in? You know, money, food. Uh, some people, it could be pornography, could be making a name for yourself um, or all the distractions that we do to try to, ache, try to salve our like achy soul. But how have you been like a cast sheep this morning? How are you stuck on your back? What is it that is causing you to just, <laughs> you know, like, I, I just picture kind of God like, hey, hey, you done yet? I'm here. I love you. Are you, are you done with your, your, whatever you're doing on your back, Right. And so the shepherd is the one who looks for the cast sheep. And the shepherd, I guess, goes out of its way if one is found on its back, which again, I find that fascinating that the shepherd knows the sheep because they see that the sheep is helpless. This sheep is on, her, on his or her back. And I love that the shepherd comes and restores the sheep. This is what the shepherd does for us. So do we need restoration for our soul this, month, this morning? I think we do. How do we need um, our good shepherd to turn us back over? In verse 3, it says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, I've always said that, and I'm like, I have no That's righteousness. Well, what's that? Well, I did a little digging. And so the shepherd knows where the good paths are. He knows the paths that are clear of predators and deadly parasites. It's kind of interesting. He knows where the good waters are. And where the good food is located. But you and I, we are prone to wander just like sheep. But one thing I've learned with this word righteousness is that it is often translated as justice. Now, I can connect with justice. Righteousness, I used to think, okay, it's keeping rules. It's trying to be perfect, which I always end up falling short because it turns into religion for me. And I feel like this becomes a rule thing with God. But that word I see translate more as justice. Right? And so the shepherd leads us as we advocate for justice for his namesake. That's kind of my paraphrase for that. And it's one of our values at FCC when Pastor Eric came and talked about, I want to be a church of radical justice. He had me at radical justice. So we as a sheep fighting for justice for those that are vulnerable among us. 
you know, the refugees, the foster children, um, the homeless and transient that we have in Fremont. And, and there's, you know, a good percentage of people that wander the streets are former foster youth or trafficked youth. And so what does this picture of radical justice in Fremont look like or in your neighborhood or in the spaces that you live? As we live out radical justice for the oppressed, I think we're giving God a good reputation, right? Instead of people looking at the church like, oh, they're the ones that judge. How do they look at the church? Of, well, they're the ones that roll up their sleeves and they're the ones that are the first responders. They are the ones that are taking in foster kids. They are the ones that are working with, with uh, women and children and people that need help, right? So I think our shepherd leads us to fight for justice, not just chill all day in the sun and in the lush fields, although that's sometimes the picture I get. No, I think our shepherd has, has built us to do something, to get involved. And then there's this one. This is my favorite part of this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Okay, how many of you maybe have talked about that with your child when they're, when they're scared at night? Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow, the darkness, you can't see ahead. Ever been on a hike where it's totally dark? It's scary. Or you camp out at night. I camped out at night by myself and I'm like, Okay, that's a raccoon. Okay, is that a snake? I didn't get any good sleep because I'm thinking what's going to come out and attack me. But sometimes that is what the valley of the shadow of death looks like. Well, this actually is a reference from what this book I read is really interesting. This is actually a reference to the shepherd leading his flock to a higher ground for the summer months where it's cooler and more lush. But the best pathway to higher ground is often through the valley, which I thought was interesting. So he takes us through darkness to get to these higher planes. I know that some of like, my greatest trials and struggles and some painful seasons that I've had have been a pathway to like, new points of reference and levels in my relationship with Jesus because I needed him. I couldn't really rely on anything else but uh, of, you know, of him when I'm in this darkness, when I'm in this valley. Also, you can, you know... David gets kind of personal here about, I, I pictured David walking through valleys of the shadow because he's writing this psalm when he's got enemies after him, when he's hiding in caves, when he's at this desperate place. Like, I don't have enemies chasing after me. I have a house. I have food in my fridge. But David is like running and he's got this, this way about him of, of this desperation. And sometimes when Isaac is scared, he's a pretty confident kid. He's like, Dad, I got this. But sometimes I notice he'll cling to my, my leg when he's not quite sure of something. I'm like, you go. But he's, he's not quite sure. And so I'm like, okay, what's, what are you thinking? What are you feeling, Daddy? I'm a little scared. You know, he's asking me if I'm going to live to be 102. He's, got, he's like this old soul. He's like, Dad, I just, you're not going to die anytime soon, are you? So Chrissy's like, we should probably get our blood checked, make sure we're eating healthy. But it's, you know, he's asking these questions that my other daughters never really ask, you know. But it's just, it's, that's kind of what, I'm his, in some ways, his shepherd. And I want to be a good shepherd. But I want to point him to Jesus, his good shepherd. Um, and so Psalm 23, 4 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, again, this is the little shepherd's crook. It's a rod and a staff. You think of Moses' Ten Commandments, Right with that big thing he walks and let my people go 
Um, I didn't, I tried to find a shepherd's staff. I couldn't find one. I thought about a cane, you know, getting a cane. But what does this mean? Well, there's, this is an instrument that a shepherd uses to care for his sheep, right? As they're walking through and going down paths. So the rod is an extension of the shepherd's hand as a source of power and authority. It's a defense against predators coming at the sheep to destroy them. Um, it's likely that David used this to kill a lion or a bear when he spoke of tending the sheep, right? But for me, the rod is scary because I was spanked as a kid. And I look at the rod, it's like, well, what's that proverb? Spare the rod, spoil the child. Well, I think in evangelicalism, we kind of use that as a way of abuse. Now, I'm not saying some of you were, maybe, I'm sure your generation was spanked. Um, I look at some of this stuff as abusive. And so I look at the rod. I, if I look at God like he's going to hit me with that, that's not the intent here. The intent is that it's used as love, a hand of love, instead of using it as a weapon. And a lot of us have memories of being hit with something, maybe a switch. Uh, my grandma used her like slippers to, you know, uh, so, you know, again, half the time I don't know. I, I think that I was spanked because I was an extension of trying to be a good religious family on Sunday and that we, like, there's a persona. I think it's easy in the church, like, oh, your kids should all be like this. But I counsel kids that have come from religion that have gone down paths of just like, they know nothing of Jesus. All they know is of, of, of the harsh rod and the rules and not living up to the expectations. And so that's easy for a lot of PKs. So when you see my daughter express herself, that's because she's my daughter and I'm shepherding her, but she's gonna probably have different values than me and that's okay as long as there's still love and respect and she knows that I need to put my foot down sometimes but I am much more freeing with my kids and my dad was and that's okay I look at my dad and like you know what in that time he thought that was what was best um, I had a lot of healing through that but again this rod is not about hitting an animal or hitting a person it's about it's 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 to love and to guide because God is our protector and he's our defender. And it's comforting to me to know that in, it says in Exodus, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And I, I love that before Moses parted the, the Red Sea. It's like, just chill. I got this, right? Like, just trust me. And this is such part of the season of us as Christians is learning to trust. It's a lifelong thing, okay? So with that, we're getting a lot of wonderful imagery Yes, the Lord is our shepherd. We don't need anything. We're going to walk through valleys of darkness. Um, now, here's this part of you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, A, I don't really want to eat with my enemies. I don't know about you, but I look at that going, what does he mean? What does King David mean by this? Well, the thought here is that the high mountain ranges where sheep were led for the summer months, are they're called tables. Ooh, fascinating. And the shepherd would go ahead of the sheep and prepare these pastures. Interesting. So this included many things like plucking poisonous weeds and deadly flowers, locating water sources, always looking for water sources. And then the shepherd would keep an eye out for predators. So it's a very vigilant thing with this. I, I love the fact of a shepherd that is vigilant and looking. You know, sometimes I get this image of a shepherd, of, the, you know, some of the pictures that we see of Jesus is, you know, he's white, got blue eyes, blonde, surfer, beach hair. No, I think Jesus was, was you know, Middle Eastern, dark skin. Um, 
you know, seeing shepherds, not just, we just think they just sit around and, and check their screens. No, they're moving around and they're looking and they're thinking forward of, okay, my sheep need to eat. I've just fed them. They're going to need to eat in a couple hours. I got to make sure they don't wander. It's kind of fascinating. I love that, that, that you know, Jesus even talks about him being the good shepherd. Um, and so, yeah, this is what's happening there. Um, Jesus prepares a table. There's nothing to fear because the shepherd is near. Kind of a rhyme. And then you anoint my head with oil. I love this. In the summer months on the high mountain range, sheep are, again, they're prone to be attacked by insects. I guess nasal flies. That's gross. But I guess nasal flies could wreak havoc and lead to death. And so this shepherd uses like anointing oil to make sure that, wouldn't oil make the fly stick? I don't know. I'm not a shepherd. But this good shepherd prepares this oil and it prevents the flies from coming and wreaking havoc on the poor sheep. Um, and so throughout scripture, you guys, anointing of oil is, is kind of connected to the Holy Spirit. And I love that, that he uses that imagery of like an anointing of the Spirit coming on people to do things. And so, look, we deal with pestilence every day of our lives, but God's Spirit anoints us. He empowers us, I think, to love people that are hard for us to love. Okay? And that, in, in my life, there's, I definitely got some people that I kind of would like to avoid, but I know that I have to have the posture of love, and I can't do it in my own strength. I have to have God's Spirit in me. And so He anoints me. So before I walk onto a high school campus, I always ask, Lord, I am really nervous. I am scared, but I know that you're with me. And I ask for your spirit to help guide me um, because I'm nervous sometimes when I walk into spaces where I don't know where I'm going to be received. And so God wants us to, to have that kind of posture is to ask and be my shepherd. Show me where I need to go. Show me how I can be kind when I'm really, really angry right now. I don't know about you, but my, um, my fuse is really short. I think the pandemic has like eked out all the resources that I had inside, but I feel like, man, I'm, I'm quick to anger so much more. I'm not listening to my kids as best as I could because I don't have that long, I have, that, I have a short fuse. Um, so my cup overflows. The psalmist says in verse, uh, verse five here, I love that. It is out of this abundance that we extend life to others. I love that picture of a cup overflowing, right? When we're filled with his presence, it, it, it spills out our, the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I am not the poster child for those things. It is only the spirit of God in us that helps us give us that especially self-control. It is, I, I don't know about you, but I need the Spirit's help in that. And I love the confidence that David uses here around that. Because lastly, this is the cool little end of the psalm. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. Goodness and love will follow me. David's like, this is the truth. I look at my life of 52 years and I'm like, you know, God has sustained me during time when Christy's like, I don't think we're gonna be able to have other children. And she was at the darkest, lowest place. And I'm like, I don't know how we're gonna get through this. And then I look going, man, I've been gifted all these wonderful kids in, in my midst. You know, it's like, 
Isaac was kind of a promise of all the hard that we went through because Christy had this, this, this time with Jesus and she, and she goes, Doug, I, felt, I heard God say, it's, it's going to be great. And I'm always so cynical. I mean, yeah, whatever that means, it's going to be great. But I'm like, I believe Isaac is the gift of, hey, it's going to be great after all the hard that we went through and us saying yes to Jesus, that, that he, he, he gave us this little boy that's like been a bright sunshine for us. And so goodness and love pursue us. Goodness and love chase us down. Some of you might think, you know what? In my family of origin, it's depression that's chasing me down. Or it's negativity. Or it's anxiety. Or it's all this family history of junk. No, the truth is goodness and love pursue you and hunt you down. And I think this is the truth that we need to like dwell in. Goodness and love Because I think pain and loss and unmet dreams and grief and conflict and just plain old disappointment of being human in this sinful world takes its toll on us. And this is why we have to pause. And for some this week, maybe we're looking at this first. This is a great thing to, to pray. I don't know about you. I wake up every night about 3 a.m. and I get up and my thoughts all of a sudden just are, becomes this mind battlefield of, of just, okay, Grace is going to move to San Diego. She's going to have what she needs. Okay, is her car going to be okay? Okay, Kayla's going through some rough things in her life right now. Her friendships, my wife. I hope her health is okay because I don't, you know, I start getting some what's called stinking thinking. And so what I've done is I'm starting to recite Psalm 23. And this is why I asked Pastor Eric if I, if I could preach this because this means so much to me that I have to say, okay, your goodness and love chase after me. Lord, you are my shepherd. And after I start replacing that with the thoughts, I I start to fall asleep and then I get up and I feel better. But I I don't know what your sleep patterns are. For some reason, I just wake up. I know because I take too much melatonin, probably. But that's something that we have because if you struggle with anxiety and your mind is a crazy monkey mind, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So I, that's why we have to go and, and, and continue to put God's truth because goodness and love, that's what's going to shape us. And then we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This to me, I look at being home in my shepherd. This is abiding, right? Abiding in the vine. It's all about just sit. And one of the images God gave me one time is you know how dogs like to run around and we train our dogs to come and just sit, be stay, abide, be here, okay? I know it's best for you. And a lot of you that are dog owners, you know what's best for your dog, same kind of thing, that we want to be home in God's love. And so, Lord, I just thank you this morning. Thank you that we were able to kind of go through the Psalm 23. Thank you for the truth of this. Thank you so much that King David was a shepherd and that through this psalm, he gave in his journal that we, have, we are privy to thousands and thousands of years later. God, thank you for what we've learned about a shepherd this morning and sheep. And Lord, I just pray this morning, Lord, um, what is it that has replaced you as shepherd? Pray that you would show us, Holy Spirit, what is in our lives right now that has replaced you. What is that thing that we're trusting in, God, that we're hoping for? 
What are these things that we're digging? What are these stagnant waters that we're drinking from that have parasites, God, when you are the fountain of living water? Holy Spirit, pray you would show us that this morning. Give us a picture, Holy Spirit, of what this looks like. For those in here that have been abused by a rod, God, I pray that you would, you would redeem that picture of that look of in our parents' eye. God, that's a scary look. Replace that with your look of love, with your gentle hand reaching out to us. Replace that image, replace that memory, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit's power and presence. You are our good.